You're listening to the Daily Mishnah Podcast with Benedict. So we're in the third chapter of Chagiga. And we're into the relationship between Chodesh and Trum. Chodesh, holy things which are actually offered up on the altar, and Truma, which is food that only a Kohen can eat. And the third chapter began, Chomer Bakodesh Mi Bitruma. There are certain things which are where we're more stringent with Kodesh than we are with Truma. And we learned some of this list yesterday in the first Mishnah. Actually, that Mishnah is one of a series of three Mishnayot, which describe different areas in which we are stricter about Kodesh than we are about Truma. And so the Mishnah now continues. Second Mishnah of the third chapter. Kelim hanigmarim b'taharatzrichim tevilah b'kodesh avaloh the truma. Vessels that have been finished off in purity require immersion for sacred things, for kodesh, but not for turuma. What's the Mishnah going on about here? Well, for one concept which we might have mentioned, but it's important to revisit, is that until an object is finished, it's not susceptible to becoming tamet. So, for example, if you're if you're making a bowl and the bowl isn't finished yet, and I don't know, some dead, creepy crawly is thrown into the middle of it, it doesn't make any difference. But once the vessel is finished, there's a famous discussion between Rabbi Yochanan and Reish Lakish. At what point does a sword become finished? Once the vessel is finished, then it, it becomes susceptible to, to tumah, to impurity, and you have to keep it away from dead, creepy crawlies. So we're talking about a vessel that it, it, it's been finished off, so it's susceptible now, but it's been finished off in a place of purity. And we assume that's good enough for trimmer. We assume that's good enough for Trump, but for use on the altar, if we're going to use it on the altar, it's as if we don't, we, we don't have perfect confidence in the people who finished it off. If it's going to be used on the altar, we are still going to immerse it, even though we're not for Trump. We're stricter with things used on the altar. We're stricter with Kodesh than we are with Trump. And the Mishnah goes on with some other examples. Hakeli. The vessel unites all its contents in the case of sacred things, in the case of Kodesh. That is to say, you've got a vessel with, I don't know, four different kinds of food in it. And one of those types of food has become tummy. Now, in the case of Truma, we don't care. The, the, the Kohanim are allowed to eat the the food that is not Tameh in that vessel. But in the case of Kodesh, we consider that the vessel unites, all, it, the, all the contents become united. None of those contents can be offered up on the altar. Harav'iva Kodesh Pasul, fourth degree impurity is invalid. Vihash, sorry, Harav'iva Kodesh Pasul, fourth degree impurity is invalid things offered up on the altar, but only third degree in the case of truma. And what's the Mishnah talking about here? Well, there are 
the 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 Mishnah knows four or perhaps five degrees of impurity. And I put them up in a table on the source sheet, if you can see the source sheet. An of Tumar, a father of Tumar, you could say a primary Tumar, is something or someone who's been in contact with a real dead body or a dead carcass or a dead reptile or someone with an emission. That's a primary source of impurity. And if they touch someone else, that someone else becomes first-degree tummy. That person, if then touches food, the food becomes second-degree tummy. And if that food then touches teruma, the truma becomes third-degree tummy. That truma itself, touching holy things, creates fourth-degree tuma, fourth-degree impurity in the holy things. So the Mishnah is saying, there are four degrees. You can be four degrees, you can be four steps away from the primary source of impurity with holy things. But you only need the maximum you can the maximum distance you, you can be with truma is three. In other words, fourth degree impurity with truma just doesn't exist. It's not a thing. It's not a thing. And the Mishnah continues. Let's say in the case of truma, one, someone, one of someone's hands became impure. Maybe one of his hands touched something that was tummy. Um, in the case of truma, chavreta Torah, the other hand remains clean. Uva kodesh In the case of if he wants to handle holy things, he has to actually immerse both his hands before he can touch holy things. The hand makes the other one impure by Kodesh for sacred things. The one hand makes the other hand impure for sacred things, but not for Truma. So these are a set of examples of areas where we are stricter with Kodesh than we are with Truma. And the Mishnah will just give a couple more examples and then it will turn 180 degrees. You can eat dry truma foods with impure hands. But not with sacred things. Just as a vessel doesn't become susceptible to to become tameh until it's finished. Food doesn't become liable to receive impurity unless it's wet. So dry food actually is not at risk when it comes into contact with tuma. But somehow this doesn't apply to sacred things. We're stricter with sacred things. Onen umuchusaki purim trichin tzvilab kodesh avalovi truma. And on end, someone who hasn't yet buried his dead. And someone who lacks atonement, umuchusar kipurim, after, a, after um, uh, let's say, uh, someone who's got sarat, a mutsarat, someone who has this weird skin disease, has to bring a sacrifice after the end of his seven days. He waits for seven days, he purifies in a mikvah, and he brings a sacrifice. 
So what what's that period? What's going to go on in that period between when he immerses in the mikvah and when he brings his sacrifice? And the Mishnah is saying, look, during that intermediate period, he can eat truma, but he can't eat kodesh. He can't serve on the altar. So here's a list of things in which we're stricter with kodesh, with holy things, than we are with truma. But it doesn't always work like that. And now the mission is going to turn around and say, Chomer be truma. There are certain areas where greater stringency applies to truma. And we'll see these, uh, these stringencies are, they are essentially psychological. But the Mishnah is going to explain. Greater stringency applies to truma for in Judea, they they are trusted and we're going to find out they they when the mishnah talks about they being trusted they're talking about amharats so normally people who aren't careful about truma they're not careful about tahara and, and tuma normally we don't trust them to be careful and yet it seems in certain circumstances we do trust them in judea they're trusted with the purity of wine and oil throughout the year and with truma only during the time of the wine presses and the olive presses so it's assumed in other words that in the harvest time when everyone is pressing their olives and their grapes everyone cleans out their presses to a level of purity in other words you can trust everybody in the harvest season, because everybody in Judea knows they're close to Jerusalem. They know that their produce might be used in the temple. As far as truma is concerned, and but uh, and as far as truma is concerned, but as far as holy things are concerned, they're actually trusted for their wine and their oil through the whole year. If an Amaharit tells you that his wine and his oil is pure for offering up on the altar, we trust him. Why is that? I think the reason there's a psychological reason that uh, even though an Amaharit may not be that concerned about trauma, he has respect for the sacrifice, for, for he has respect for the altar. He, he, he may kid you on trauma, but he won't, which a priest will eat. But he's not going to kid you on something which is offered up on the altar. So we trust him all the way, all through the year round. I th that may be one reason. The Gemara will bring another reason. But let's just carry on with the Mishnah. When the time of the wine presses and the olive presses passed, in other words, we're out of harvest season now. We're out of the time when everybody makes their presses ready. So the an Amaharitz brings a Kohen, a barrel of wine, a, ba a barrel of, of, of wine for, for Truma. And the halacha is loy kablumahem. He, he shouldn't accept it because it's outside the season. We don't trust an Amaharitz for Truma outside the season. But there's a but. Aval But he can put it aside for the next harvest season. We're not sure here whether the Kohen can put it aside or whether the Amaharets can put it aside. But again, there seems to be some idea that this 
Produce is not intrinsically tame. And we know that it's acceptable during the harvest season. So we're not going to chuck it out. We're going to say, okay, guys, it's acceptable during the harvest season. Let's just wait for the harvest season. That gives us an opportunity to accept it, almost as if the rabbis are, are making it easy to have economic relationships or religious relationships with the people of Israel, with the Amma'arats. And if he says to him, he frashed a little harabi kodesh neman. If he says to him, if he says, look, I actually set aside a quantity of this for kodesh to be offered up on the altar, we believe him. Actually, we believe him for the whole barrel because obviously the wine is all mixed up, right? But if some of it is set aside for kodesh, we assume it's all it's all tapor. <clears throat> Um, jugs of wine and oil, which are basically mixed. So they're mixtures of truma and chulen. They, I mean, we have to take truma from them because it's all mixed up here. So we, we trust Amha'aretz about these during the times, during the harvest times, during the times of the wine presses and the olive presses. And also 70 days prior to the time of the wine presses. It seems as though people are already preparing their equipment 70 days before the pressing season. So we give them 70 days benefit of the doubt, 70 days extra. So we're very, we are, we're extensive in the extent to which we trust Amharats. And Rabbi Yossi is going to explain this actually in terms of animosity. It's an incredibly important lesson for today. Um, the Gemara in Chagiga asks, Uman tana eva. Rabbi Yossi, what is the Tana that is anxious about antagonism? I.e., he points out that the reason for this halacha is so that we don't have antagonism between, you could say, um, people who take care about purity and people who don't take care between Purushim and Ameha Aretz, between the two halves of the people of Israel. It's Rabbi Yossi. And now the Gemara will quote a saying from Rabbi Yossi to Tanya, as it is taught, Amar Rabbi Yossi, Rabbi Yossi taught, He's quoting our Mishnah. Why is it? that everybody is reliable about the purity of wine and oil all year round. What's the reason for our Mishnah, Rabbi Yossi is saying? So that each and every individual shouldn't go off and build an altar for himself. If we want the Jewish people to be unified, to worship together in Jerusalem, rather than everybody building his own altar, then we have to have some kind of mutual acceptance. We have to have some kind of mutual trust. Otherwise, the whole of Israel would just split into different religious sects. And Rabbi Yossi's, Rabbi Yossi finishes um, so that each and every individual shouldn't go off and build an altar for himself. And burn a red heifer for himself if we don't trust each other then we have a complete breakdown of communal activity 
And that's an incredibly important lesson, of course, not just for the time of Rabbi Yossi and the time of the temple, but today as well. Thank you for listening to this edition of the Daily Mishnah Podcast with Benedict.